Church Unlimited, how are we doing this morning? We good? Oh man, I hope I want to re-welcome you all to revival. Y'all look good this morning. Y'all look really, really good. Church Unlimited broadcast. Let me know that you are ready for a revival. I know God has a word. Now I'm, not, I'm, I'm being serious. I know that God has a word. I had to call Pastor Bill, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I know God has a word for each and every single one of us. I truly believe that with all of my heart. I'm just privileged to be able to be the messenger. So i got to give a shout-out. I know Pastor Bill is in Church Unlimited, Stone Oak. San Antonio, what's up? I want you to make some noise, San Antonio. They're making some noise for you here. Church Unlimited, Rockport, Fulton, Church Unlimited, Padre Island, Pastor Nick, Pastor Chad, what is up? Church Limited Online, can we give it up for Church Limited Online? And a beloved place for me, Church Unlimited, Rodfield. I got a chance to spend many years there. Let's get up for Church Limited, Rodfield. Make some noise, Rodfield. For those of you who I do not know, my name is Dante. I'm very privileged and honored to be the global multi-site pastor here at Church Unlimited. That is a fancy word where I get to support um, all of our church locations, all of our pastor, all of our pastors. It is a privilege of a lifetime. I am so, so honored to be able to do that. But I know that God has a revival that is here. I know there is restoration, there is reconciliation that God wants you to experience in this moment, the beginnings of that. So excuse my excitement for what God is going to do, because I know he's going to do some work. Thank you for that. Church Unlimited Online, get at the edge of your couch, because God is coming for you all. We are we actually seeing the divine rumblings of revival across this country. You know, you maybe you've seen it in the news at Asbury University. These are services that are not ending Worship services that continue for days without end, going to Lee University, Sanford University, and then coming all the way to Texas and even reaching Baylor University, okay? And I, thank you for that because I'm a proud Baylor bear. So that hit close to home. You know, my twin sister and I went to Baylor University. My, few, my brother-in-law went there as well. So where are all my, my Aggies and my Longhorns? Where are y'all at? Yeah. I know. You know, we're not all blessed to be Baylor Bears. <laughs> you know, so, so I'll send you my prayers. I'll send you my prayers. It is all good. No, I love Longhorns and Aggies too, except when you're playing the Baylor Bears. Then all bets are, all bets are off. But it took me back to that time because I remember being at Baylor University. I remember it was an Easter Sunday, you know, so I had to go to Express. I remember at the time I, I had the sweater vest. I had my Easter swag on. I felt good, you know. Um, kind of like this bright pink right here, Ron's Easter. Easter's coming. Easter's coming, everybody. But I remember in that moment, because I remember being in a Baptist church, and I remember rededicating my life to Jesus. That it was a it was a moment of revival for me. I remember walking down an aisle of a Baptist church. I remember standing like right here, and with all my heart and my soul, I gave it back to Jesus. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, man, I'm going to ruin that clap, though. I'm, going to ruin, I'm so, because, but thank you for that. But the truth is, the rumbling of that revival in my life, when I was in Waco, Texas, it would fade away. It would unfortunately fade away. I would return back to a dysfunctional relationship at Baylor University, and I would have failed to do something 
that in my very first point, I encourage you with all of my heart to do. You see, I did not have a made-up mind to put God first. And so the rumbling of revival, I would not get to experience it. It would not be a continued revival. It would not be continued restoration. There would not be continued growth. So I don't want this to be an inspirational moment, as much as I know that God is going to speak to you. I want a continued rumble that would reverberate from this day forward. But it begins with you having a made-up mind about putting God first. It says this in Joshua. It says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served before, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And I love the affirmativeness of this statement. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You see, I know God wants revival in your life. I know he wants restoration. I know he wants a reconciliation. But what are you serving? You see, I, was, I decided to serve a dysfunctional relationship. You could say that was controlling me. So I don't know what is driving you. What is really driving you in this life? Could it be a relationship and not Jesus? Could it be your past that you refuse to let go of? The past that breeds guilt and resentment and fear. God, somebody needs to hear. You see, all of those things, the guilt, the resentment, the fear, the anger that we all hold on to, none of those things are of God. So I needed to realize that it, if, if it is not of God, then God has given me full permission to let it go. Because by not doing so, by not doing so, I'm literally compromising the revival that God wants to have in me. But I need to say this, because I am not, not acknowledging your past and what you have gone through. I understand that. That is very, very real. Let me get real with you. To this day, even right now, I meet with the doctor. He's a counselor and a therapist. And I meet with him so that I can be a healthy man, a healthy child of God, a healthy father, a healthy husband, a healthy pastor. So I am not acknowledging what you have been through. I am not acknowledging maybe the, the personality proclivities that you, know, that you have a natural inclination to. Maybe it's anxiety. I'm not not acknowledging those. In fact, I will say that we are a product of our past. The good, the bad, the sometimes ugly. I'll give you that. But we are not supposed to be prisoners of our past. Okay, church, I refuse to be a victim because I fully understand that that is not God's will for my life, that there is a hope, there is a future, there is a mission that I've been created for, and I want to walk into that. Could it be the past that is driving your life, that God says, today can be the beginning of you letting it go? Could you be allowing materialism, this Endless desire for more and more. Because when I acquire something, guess what? I sometimes feel a little more important. I sometimes feel a little more happy. 
Sometimes having a little bit more in the bank account actually makes me feel a little more secure. The problem is that my bank account and the feelings that I get, the bank account could be unstable and the feelings are temporary. I'll make a small example. Flash screen TV. You know, I got to watch my Baylor Bears. I got to watch my Dallas Cowboys, right? So, yes, now you're excited. (laughs) Jesus, Cowboys, you know. I don't know if you're more excited for the Cowboys, sir. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you. I appreciate this because we're in this together. I appreciate hearing you all. Stone Oak, I want to hear you all too, and if I can't hear you, Stone Oak. Okay, so every other season, you know, I gotta, we got to have the talk between me and the wife because I need a bigger, better, badder flat screen TV. You know what I mean? Every single year without end. You know, we went from age, you know, from standard definition to high definition, and then we got 4K, and I needed to be even larger, and my wife's like, it looks exactly the same. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like how can you not see that I'm literally in the huddle with Dak Prescott right now. Like, it looks exactly the same. Oh, I, these are fights in my home. These are real fights in my home. But it was never big enough, bad enough, better enough. It was like this endless pursuit for more because it was all temporary. Church. My net worth is not the same as my self-worth. My self-worth is to be found in what I cannot lose. And that is my relationship with Jesus. You know, so could it be. No, thank you. So could it be materialism that is driving your life? It says this. Their loyalty in James 1.8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything that they do. Could you be looking for the approval of others? Could it be approval of a, of a promotion, of a certain title, of looks and follows and likes on social media? That is a dangerous game to play. Because all of that stuff is fleeting. It comes and it goes. And many times when I'm busy paying attention to that, when I'm paying attention to the opinions of others, I'm often not paying attention to him. And I miss what he has for me. That is not a life that I want to be a part of. So what is it if you really ask yourself, what are you giving your life to? Are we playing a prisoner to our past? Is it materialism that is literally leading us, that could literally lead you out of your mission? It could actually lead you into a lack of financial peace. Could it be the approval of others? I want you to do what I did not do. And it says this in Matthew 6, 33. This is what leads to lasting security, lasting joy, lasting peace. It says this, Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. But sit with this, church. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. But I don't want you to miss this. And he will give you everything you need. 
Everything's everything. Everything you need. I'm not saying the home, the car, the zip code, the university, the promotion, the title, the relationship, you know, the relationship that you want. I am not saying that those things are inherently bad. But they are very, very bad masters. You see, that place is for God. And he promises that he will provide all of that. And you can also read in scriptures and beyond what you could even ask for. You see, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God, I just want to give you all this practical, you know what that looks like for me? If I had my iPhone right here, I live by my calendar. And on my calendar, because, you know, calendars can be like kind of lame looking. You'll see emojis on my calendar. So I'll have like a coffee cup emoji at the beginning of my day. And it says, it says coffee emoji with Jesus. Because seeking the kingdom of God looks like me waking up, having a cup of coffee with Jesus. And I simply spend that time in my YouVersion Bible app. I'll read my Bible plan. Sometimes I won't read all of it. Sometimes I will get through the whole thing. Sometimes I'll be listening to a book that is filled with scripture and I'll take that in. If it's a particularly like rushed morning, then I'll just look at the verse of the day. And that'll take me five minutes at times. You see, sometimes I had this, this illusion of like waking up super early in the darkness of the morning with coffee and it's steaming and I'm highlighted like three pages in the book of Romans and that it had to look that way. My time with God doesn't look like that. But it is with God. And then I simply pray. And I told you I was working like with a therapist and I'm learning how just to breathe. And I take five to 10 minutes which I never did before, to breathe in for five seconds and to breathe out. And I'm realizing what it really is like, what the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Because I would be moving so fast. Even if I was standing still, my mind would be moving so fast. And I was missing what God had for me. To seek the kingdom of God is simply, you see, when I have coffee with Jesus, I'm just giving God my day. I'm just giving God my day, whatever that may look like for you. And I'm saying this day, this moment, I'm trusting you. I'm not entrusting the approval of man or woman. I'm not trusting what is in my bank account. I am trusting you and I'm giving this day to you. And when I pray and when I breathe and say, God, give me your wisdom. Literally, I was, give me your wisdom. Give me your guidance. Give me your forgiveness. Give me your direction. Give me the courage to say yes. Give me the courage to say no. If a storm is coming, may you allow me to be my coverage. May I even experience the joy of the Lord so I may have to dance in the rain. But Lord, I give this and I give myself to you. And church, as you give your days to God, I pray that you will do this so that you can experience the fullness of revival. It's point number two. As God restores you, take the time to restore your relationships. And I am talking about all of your relationships, family, friends, coworkers, cousins, whatever it may do, whatever it may be. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18. It says God has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry 
of restoring relationships. It is very difficult to experience the fullness of revival if we are living in the midst of dysfunction and disharmony and unrest and tension and resentment with all of those that are around us. Guys, I need to let you know, when you do the work of making peace with those around you, you are actually doing what Jesus would do if he were here. You see, the Bible does not say, blessed are the peace lovers. Everybody loves peace. The Bible says, blessed are the peace makers. That is actually a great sign of spiritual maturity when we just get along with one another. But life and people can hit hard. We will get hurt. We will get offended. We will be disappointed by others. It is hard work to make peace, but I do not want to live a life that is not filled with it. Life is too short. So I want to encourage you to do all you can to do the hard work of restoring your relationships. I wanted to give you something that you could take with you. I'm going to run through it fast, but I believe literally what I'm about to give you could be the seeds of true restoration. I believe it is of God, and I'm going to give you seven steps to relational peace. I'm going to run through them for you, but I encourage you, if you have not taken a note, this is your time to take a note, okay? Seven steps to relational peace. The first one, how about we just talk to God before we talk to them? These simple acts of praying that, you know what, here's the deal. You can vent vertically, vent to God. It works a lot better than venting horizontally. How is that working out for me? How is that working out for you? It says in James, you simply do not have that direction because you do not ask. You will be amazed what God can do in five minutes with you if you will just give it to him. That he can actually, because sometimes I'm waiting for the external to change. You need to change your opinion. You need to change your attitude. And many times God is like, if you just give me a moment, I can actually transform your heart and your mind. So talk to God first. Number two, take the initiative. You see, in this case, time does not actually heal all wounds. Delay will actually, and some of us have experienced this, delay will actually deepen resentment. So take the initiative. Number three, sympathize with their feelings. God, did you realize that sometimes and many times sympathy is actually more important than the solution? Because we are human beings made of flesh and of blood. And you know what? I want to be valued. I want to be cared for. I actually want to be listened to. So take the time to simply listen. Sympathize. See, sympathy as the, as the open door, as the front door that you walk through. And the solution is the back door. But take the time to sympathize with someone's feelings. Here's a hard one. 
isn't a hard one, guys. This is where God can call me out, call us out. Number four, confess your part of the conflict. Your part. Even if it's only a small part, guys, confess your part of the conflict. God hits me in the face with this in Matthew 7, verse 5. He says this, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Confess your part. It takes humility. Jesus was a personification of humility. He died on the cross for us. Number five, attack the problem, not the person. Guys, it really, it's just as important how you say it as opposed to what you say. The old adage of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care really, really does apply. Make it about the problem, not the person. I'll put it, can I put it in a rhyme? I used to like to rap. <laughs> just small, just small rhyme. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. It says in the Bible, a gentle word diffuses anger. So many times I do not want to give you gentleness when you have made me upset or offended me. But it says a gentle word diffuses anger. Number six, I'll say it in one word, cooperate as much as possible. And all that, for me to cooperate as much as possible, then pray and pray and pray so that we can have the strength to not rely on ourselves, but of the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we may cooperate. And then number seven, and this is a game changer, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. You see, all of our relationships, especially our marriage, uh, our marriage relationships, you have to realize this, guys, that we can actually, in our relationships, whatever they may be, walk arm in arm like this without seeing eye to eye. It'd be virtually impossible for me to see eye to eye with another individual. I'm a unique individual. So guys, sometimes it will be required of us to bury the hatchet without bearing the issue. And I truly believe this applies to all of our relationships. It's about reconciliation. Not about being on the exact same page about everything. I would compromise my ministry role if I desired that. I would compromise my marriage if I desired that. That's just not real life. That there are times, if I was just being really real, that even the guys I consider my brothers, I was like, you were a real jerk, bro. And I really don't appreciate that. And we were open about it. And we process it. And I say I didn't appreciate that. And then I asked for God to give me the strength to forgive and to embrace and say that I know you're still God's child and I know God still has a plan for you and for me. And so for the best of both of us, I'm gonna let this go, even if you were a jerk. And I forgive you, and I love you, and I want God's best for you, and I want it for me too. 
It's about reconciliation. And I'm not saying it's easy. These steps may be easy, but living them out definitely is not. But I do not want to live a life filled with unrest. It is too short. The older I get, the more short it becomes, literally, but also figuratively to me. It truly does. And couples, I need a quick word to our couples. You must do this together. In that verse from Joshua, it says, we will serve the Lord. The original influencer, Ann Landers, you know, the famed advice columnist who used to be in every newspaper in America, she once wrote this. This is for our married couple. Somebody needs to hear this. She wrote this. Neglect the rest of the world if you have to, but never neglect each other. This is my final point. If you want to continue to experience continued revival and restoration in your life, I think the first thing I want to say, pick up the phone, guys. Pick up the phone. And I told somebody after the synagogue service, and accept that it's going to be a process. Accept that it's going to be a process to achieve reconciliation. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I want to make a first step and that door comes right back in. I'm like, well, I shouldn't have done that. No, but everything's a process. Maybe what God is doing in you, God has not done in them. But you begin to experience healing when you choose to forgive. And your heart begins to be transformed, even if the exterior circumstances not change. But it can change through God's love and them actually seeing it through you. The final point means a lot to me because I, I stand here as living testimony to it and of it. Number three, I'm going to take a Sip here. Number three is join a community of people who are already pursuing God. I just don't want this point to pass. Now, join a community. Sounds real nice. The truth of the matter is, I started this message at Baylor University, right? I did not make up my mind to put God first, and I was not in a community of Christ believers. Guys, in this life, we do not naturally drift towards the things of God. In fact, we do the exact opposite. So when I made the choice not to put God first, I, be, I was lost and I became more lost. And I became more lost. And then being lost felt like a native land to me. And I stopped even realizing what God wanted for me. But sometimes you can't tell because I would graduate from Baylor and I'd become a graduate student. I'd be in San Antonio, Texas. And what you would see, I remember God gave me this, like just thinking about the past. You know, I would be celebrating a birthday in San Antonio, Texas as a graduate student. And we would get reserved tables, bottle service, lots of friends at the hottest spot in the city. I remember Jason Kidd, who was an NBA player at the time. Now he coaches the Dallas Mavericks, was there. Big Shot Bob, Robert Ori, I remember was there. Um, he played for the San Antonio Spurs at the time. Um, and I remember at the end of the night, signing these large tips on a credit card that was probably, I'm pretty sure, about to be maxed out. Because that's what ballers do. 
the truth is, just like that large tip, when I look back at all of that, it was an illusion. It was an illusion of fulfillment, illusion of true happiness. Because if I look deeper at that moment, it was not in church like you are today. In my faith and my relationship with God, it was diminishing. My direction in this world was becoming increasingly unclear. Don't ask me about my relationship. Because maybe you can relate to this. That was dying a very slow and agonizing death. It truly was. But you couldn't tell. But I was living it. You see, the truth is, church, nobody ever says, I'm so glad I stopped going to church. My life is so much better. Said nobody. When you build your life on these things that are inherently unstable, when you build your life on things that are not of God, when that is the driving force, it will eventually break. And that's what would happen. And I would come back to my hometown, a broken version of myself. And before I even got here, if I was really honest with you, there are moments just in my own mind, you would never know that before I got back to my hometown, I would actually feel a bit ashamed of what I was becoming. I felt like it was potential lost. But as I stand here today, I am thankful for the breaking. I am thankful for the crushing. It was the breaking, and this could apply to you, that led to the breakthrough. I mean that with all of my heart, because it gave me one thing. It made me realize that the world did not have my answers. Now I became desperate, guys, I became desperate for the things of God. But I had to experience the consequences first. Could that be where you are today? You see, because when I became desperate for the things of God, I sat in the same chair that you are in today. And somebody needs to make this decision. And I said, I'm going to be in the house of God every single weekend. That was a discombobulating thought to me. Because when you spend more weekends in the club than in church, that is a breakthrough. And it was a huge breakthrough for my life. And as then I stood and as I sat in that chair and I stood out here, I realized that as I took in the word of God, that I didn't want to just live for myself, that it left me unfulfilled, just living for Dante. There was very little meaning to that, that I realized I'm making a difference for the Lord and making a difference in the others for the Lord actually makes a difference in me. That's what serving, volunteering, that's what it is. And then I realized as I was in God's house that to be around God, to experience revival and restoration is to be around God's people. We weren't doing that in the club. We were not pursuing a relationship with God. We were pursuing a good time. And sometimes when the drinks weren't being handed out and the music was gone, they were also gone. And that's because I care for those people. But I'm just being factual with you. That attending this house of God was a breakthrough. 
that serving you and trying to make a difference in your life for Jesus was a breakthrough. That joining a life group was an absolute breakthrough in my life. And it was a breakthrough and it was only the beginning, guys. So I don't know what is next for you. I don't know what your breakthrough is. But for many of you all, I want to say this. Did you realize that on any given Sunday in this atrium, at our Next Steps Center, or at our Life Group booth, that you can sign up to serve Jesus and to serve others, that your gifts and talents and personalities can be deployed for the work of God. And it'll make a difference in others, but what I love is it makes a difference in you. And you can do the same thing in regards to our life groups. And if you don't want to do it in the atrium, then you can go to churchlimited.com any day, any time of the week. You go to that landing page, you will see serving, and you will see life groups. And I promise you, you see, it's not just a life group. It is not just serving. You are making yourself available to your creator. And when you make yourself available to your creator, you get to listen to him. And he becomes your guide. He becomes your guiding light. He becomes your wisdom. He becomes your decisions. He becomes your relationships. The way, the truth, and the life. That's what the Bible says. So when we, when we do not make those decisions, we are compromised because those are the seeds of revival. And it gets even better than that. Because in my life, I would make those decisions. And I would make those decisions over and over and over. And being a part of a group, then I would get the opportunity alongside others to lead a group. And then I would get the opportunity to lead a ministry. And alongside others, then it got really crazy because I would get to help lead a church. And God would continue to do his work. And then I would help, the, the, and I would get the opportunity to lead churches. Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? The same young man who felt ashamed to come to his hometown, God says, I want to take you to your hometown, and you don't know it yet, but you are going to get the opportunity to change the world for Jesus. And guys, I am not special. I'm just like you. I'm just a child of God. And I'm thinking about you because I promise you when I'm at home, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about your children and your unborn children and what the word of God says about you. Because I truly, with all of my heart, want you to experience revival. And I want your children to have the opportunity to be in relationship with Jesus and experience God's very, very best with all of my heart. So I literally, I'm fighting for you in this moment. I don't know what season you are in, but I know that there is a breakthrough to be had. I know that there is a revival to be had on the back row. I know there's a revival to be had in San Antonio, Texas. There's somebody that I'm fighting for right now. I know it. I know it with all of my heart that God sent me here for you. But it's your move. It is your breakthrough. It is your revival. One step, one decision. Because I didn't always see it in myself. I didn't understand that I was God's masterpiece. I couldn't always see that. I couldn't see Ephesians 2.10 in me, especially when I was lost. I didn't know and I lost track of how much God loved me because he created me. You know what beautifully reminds me of that? I'm going to show you my heart, part of it, of what beautifully reminds me of that every single time. This is my daughter, my daughters. 
That's L. And she's holding up to her little sister, Emma. Emma is just still in her mama's tummy right now. See, what I can't always see in myself, when I look at that girl, I see the makings of God. I see Ephesians 2.10. And Ephesians 2.10, it says this about you. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Ephesians 2.10, another translation, it says, for you are his masterpiece. Flaws in all, past in all, good, bad, ugly, imperfection. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God would love you so much. God would love you so much Scripture lets us know that he would send his son Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life, a sinless life, only to be nailed to a cross and die for our sins so that we would have the opportunity to be in relationship with the heavenly father and that with that relationship that we would also get the gift, the greatest gift, the gift of eternity in heaven that it would not be perfect here on earth, but that we could have a transformed heart and mind through a relationship with Jesus and get the gift of heaven. I want you to have that with all of my heart. It says in scripture in Romans 5, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. If you have not accepted Jesus into your heart, I wanna give you the opportunity to change your life, not only here on earth, but forever. I want you to have the gift of heaven. If you are online, if you were in San Antonio, Rockport, Fulton, Padre Island, you're right here in this place. I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. I want to invite everyone to simply bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to give you the opportunity right now. It's a simple prayer of asking Jesus Christ into your heart. It will change you forever. And you get the gift of heaven with this prayer. Church, please repeat after me as an act of encouragement to those who may be saying it for the very first time. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins. And I believe you rose again three days later, proving that you are God. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And before we close this prayer, I want to invite any, I want to invite everyone who said that prayer for the very first time at all of our locations, even online. If you just said that prayer, I want to invite you to take a small step of faith, but one that means so much. I want to invite you to please raise your hand as high as possible. If you just said that prayer, if you just accepted Jesus Christ, we want to celebrate with you. If you were at Rothfield, if you were at Stone Oak, 
If you're at Rockport Fulton on the island, if you were online, please put in the chat, raised hand. Simply type out raised hand. We want to celebrate this. We want this to be an act of remembrance for you that today was a day that you accepted Jesus Christ. Please let us know online by saying raise hand. Please continue to raise these hands as we want to celebrate your decision. It means everything to us to see that raised hand. This is why we do what we do, to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die. So thank you for keeping those hands raised across all of our locations, and thank you for typing that in the chat online. I just want to say a prayer over each and every single one of us. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would have the faith to follow you, that we would continue this revival beyond this moment, that you would empower us to create peace, that we would be restored by your great love, by your wisdom. Lord, I ask that you reign in our lives so the rumble of revival would continue. Thank you for loving us the way you do. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus.